Welcome, friends, to another DDODM podcast. Welcome to my past listeners. Thank you for listening, and to the future ones. I've been working on my teleport spell. That's what happened last week. I got stuck somewhere. I don't want to talk about it. It was embarrassing. You know, the real reason is way less epic than that. So that's what I'm going with, the teleport spell. And I suck at it. So today's uh, all about skills, I guess, or at least the first uh, half. I I really, uh, you know, I'm passionate about DDO. That's why I talk about it like I do. Uh, I I like it. I think it's a great game. And I think it um, is perfect and can never be better. And the devs do a great job. Also, I suck at the teleport spell. So, for skills, um, it's not a pop quiz. I'm not going to ask you if you know how many skills are in the game. How many skills are in the game? 21. There are 21 skills in the game. And they're pulled mostly from pen and paper, I guess. But not, um, not really. So, we're missing a few key ones. Um... And I'll just, I kind of, in my head, I kind of lumped them together into three kind of aspects. But we could do four. So I would say, uh, like, a a wilderness or a nature skill. And an arcane or arcana knowledge skill. And ding, 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 you guessed it. An investigation skill. No, you're right, a, a religious skill. But I, I also think um, having an investigation skill would be neat. I'm just not sure. I think it would be really neat to have that because um, it would be slight. It's slightly different than just perception. So I think having like an investigation skill would be nice. So I, I want to talk about these. Um, I want to talk about these these skills today. And how they're employed and how they're used and and if they really are used the way they should be or should there be something else we're looking at. I want to make sure the devs never run out of work, right? We should make sure they have enough ideas that they never never run out of work. And this is one that's um, that re- is so fundamental to just Dungeons and Dragons in general that if they can figure out or just take an idea similar to this, just like it maybe, and just run with it all the way to the end, the game will be significantly more improved, at least on the Dungeons and Dragons aspect. Um, So let's get a little bit started. And this kind of comes from listening to the PAX East stuff uh, that they put out on Twitch. I wasn't able to make the, the live viewing. Luckily, somebody had... Pax had uh, recorded it. So this kind of comes from that. And seeing how limited the frame of mind is for the developer when they're approaching the dungeon. Um, I think Sonia was the only one that, at least in the beginning, talked about kind of using lore or tried to attach a story, um, like a lore-type story to the player through the exposition of the quest as the kind of the tie-in. Um, 
the other guys had good ideas for video games and stuff, but she was the only one I think that came in. And the other guys had stories too. I'm not trying to say they didn't, but hers really struck me as being the most like a Dungeons and Dragons one. And in saying that, I would say it wasn't like how you would make a quest for Dungeons and Dragons at all. And I think part of it is, I think they're getting closer, much, much closer, which is one of the things that I like about the game is they haven't given up and they continue to impress me with the things that they come up with. So I'm hoping that there's something like this maybe already in the works that they've already spitballed and they're thinking about. So what am I talking about, right? I've already said it's not good enough, basically, right? Like, what's happening? And I, and I don't mean that. I'm just trying to summarize. I'm saying that how we use the skill system isn't, isn't, uh, isn't good enough. So they've got a few quests out there that you can complete in a number of ways. And I think this should be... <laughs> they're going to love me for saying this. Not that they listen, but... It should be very, that should be standard practice when approaching a dungeon. And there should be a lot more thought going into the, at least the base, uh, the basic lore of the quest, and then tying those to the different options to complete the quest. And we already talked about them in the beginning, so there's no smoke and mirrors here. We're going to talk about like a wilderness or a nature type skill. And there may be ways for them to spruce up the uh, rename some skills like the arcana skill could become or spellcraft could become the arcana skill right they could um they could use nature and make that the heal skill i don't know why but they could but the, the this is the issue with trying to directly translate each skill is that how how would you really do that spellcraft is the only one that i could really think of that you could really do that with. Um, that it would make sense. So I think re-looking at the the skill set, they're probably they probably should do that one because that's the easiest one to do and fix. But then they're gonna have to think about how to add and fix the um, the nature, the religious, and, and I think the investigatory one is is key because that one could be the real oddball one that, that could be a lot of fun too. So that being said, with these four new skills now, because we'll just go with four, right? The, the wilderness, religious, arcana, and investigative. Each, each of these skills sh- should have their own path through every quest that gets developed. That should be the mission statement. And then exceptions should arise for story reasons or sometimes maybe because of time reasons but mostly it should be worked into the story and some some cases like i think just off the top of my head castle ravenloft where would you have a a nature a nature path through through that quest how would that work the quest is already kind of a little bit random and that's what people say they want but then I run a lot of, I don't run a lot of Castle Ravenloft, that's not true, but I have run a lot of it, and I don't know the quest that well. I know there are some people that can do it in two minutes, and then some groups, we always complete it, but it's sometimes it's rough go. Some guys know it, but they can, it's, you know, it's a 25-minute project, so, you know, people say they, they like the randomness, but then, you know, it's at odds with the other goal of the game, which is to TR, so... 
And I, that's what my, my point here is, having the skill system set up so that the goal of the player is aligned with the goal of the developer is going to make the game more fun for everyone because the developer is going to ha- be more satisfied because he's going to have more satisfied players and the players are going to be satisfied because they're going to feel like their characters are expressed and respected by the game and the game world, right? And having these different lore paths or these different skill paths could open... I'm not going to enumerate, you know, obviously if you were going to take a more nature path or something... You know, it could mean any number of things. In a quest, you could. Um, you, what I imagine is, you know, if you were to take the na- na- druids are, especially gatekeepers and whatnot, they are notorious for like, un, like they don't like un, anything unnatural. So fiends, devils, demons, and undead. They, they don't like any of that stuff. So. It could be just as simple as being able to um, interact with an NPC in a certain way in a dialogue check and you choosing a certain option from a, a certain NPC and them either lowering the will slaves or lowering their damage or lowering the AC class, lowering their to hit a, D, a general debuff on the quest. Right, it could open a separate path of completion that is more in line with what a druid can handle and do, or that a ranger can handle and do. Right, it could just offer them bonuses. It could just say, "Oh, well, you get bonuses to, you know, your your enhancement now is doubled for the rest of the quest." Well, you know, what I'm just throwing this out there—not double, but you know, your you know, crown of summer is doubled or something for other something like this. Right, just something that makes the skills more meaningful. I really think there should be just a physical completion path tied to each one of these skills. Um, and and I don't mean that, I mean it, it should say for every quest, the mission statement should be for every quest, but there needs to be a, a, a the, the design philosophy needs to come back to um, something that's more episodic in nature, like um, how we see television shows and whatnot, how they manufacture those. Um, it doesn't mean that it can't have heart and spirit and soul. It just means that you have a good solid outline of what you're going to accomplish and you're going to color in with as many different colors as you want. You're going to color in those that picture. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a paint-by-number thing, but you have to have the structure there so that they can kick out the content faster and faster, which I think they've got a great handle on. I'm not saying that they're not doing any of those things. I think I'm so impressed. The, the forums, when Cordovan put out that... You know, hey guys, we're bumping the schedule up. That is awesome to me. I think that's great. I, I mean, we should be clapping for that. They released the new code, Dungeon Crawl. New players. This is for new players. This podcast is for new players. Enter right now up to April 23rd, I believe. The dungeon, the if you enter the code Dungeon Crawl into the DDO store, you're going to unlock a sweet load of content, hours and hours of content for free that I paid for. <laughs> Probably. Probably two or three times I paid for that content, and you can get it for free with one code. And I am not unhappy that I paid for that. I'm happy that I paid for that. I happily did it. I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. And I hope that new players enter that code and learn some of the quests and learn some of the lore and and really enjoy being able to play those 
that free content. Because the more players, the better. So I'm not trying to say anything negative um, about what's happening in DDO at all. So please don't take that impression away. What I'm trying to do is... And they've already got this down. You know, they have like really smart people working on this, right? They don't need um, some dude, some internet dude, because let's be honest, I'm the dude that just teleports to this microphone whenever the hell I feel like it or whenever my magic works. I teleport to the microphone and I spout the words I spout and then I teleport away and vanish. You can sit here in the nice next to the fire, you know, listen to a crackle. Can you hear it? I didn't crackle and there's no fire. It's all in your head. I'm more of an illusionist, really. It's not a real fire. Okay. So, my my thing with the skills and the paths, I think, is it's really important to, when you're building your character, um, and I, I the, the easiest thing for me to relate to people who probably are new to this game and play this game is, if you've played games like Path of the Righteous or Kingmaker or... I'm trying to remember the skill system for Pillars of Eternity. I cannot remember it, but I know it's sparse. And and they're really hard decisions that you make. And there are a lot of ways to make skill monkey characters, and there are a lot of interesting things that people do to unlock all the different options you can do in the game, whether that's by party composition or, you know, stat distribution. And that in and of itself is a game. It's a game within a game. So, it, I do believe, firmly believe, that in order for DDO really to expand and get better, it has to take a look at the skill system and then start employing that in the quest design and rewarding players um, for playing the kind of character they want to play. Because what if they were playing a bard that likes nature? Right? I mean, obviously the bard is loading up on his perform and his all his other skills, but what if he's got an extra skill point every level or two extra skill points every level and he just loves animals? And he he loves animals and he has access to an animal companion because he did one level of Dark Hunter for the for the for the pet, let's say he does that, right? And he's got all kinds of augments and it works a lot longer than it should because he's got past lives or he takes feats or however he and takes enhancements. He just loves the, loves the, loves the pet. So he carries. He has a pet with him. He's a bard. You know, maybe like Gwilin from Gwilin Stand, right? Kind of ranger, kind of rogue, or ranger, kind of. Well, yeah, that ranger bard is what I meant. But so maybe maybe they're like that. They just like you know they like nature. So why can't they express their character that way? Or what if this? What if I'm playing a dude that that doesn't like nature and he's just super religious and he's an uptight paladin, school Mister Square Pants? What if I'm playing that guy and he doesn't like pets? He doesn't like pets because they're, they're animals and they need to be tamed and that's the way they should be. You know, he first started hating off cats and then he, now he hates dogs. So what if I'm playing that guy, but he's really religious? You know, I mean, I'm not rewarded or punished for creating a character like that. And you should be. 
I, I think you should be. And, and I think that's one of the beauties of the game is this avenue is still available. It's just not being looked at. And that's all we're trying to do is shine a light on something. That, hey, this corner over here, somebody missed it. Didn't sweep up all the good thoughts in this corner. So let's sweep these good thoughts into a dustpan and put them in the good thoughts machine and run those through the brainstorming machine so we can figure out how to make this work. I imagine them, um, so let me give you just a basic kind of very hate and dressed, okay? That's the first quest for new new players. Should be in your mind. You pop into Corthos. Well, after you do the tutorial where you cannot die, that quest with Salimus and Jeets, I forget the Warforge's name, but they don't matter anyway. They're just barely people. So once... Once you complete that quest and you land on Corthos Island proper, I guess, or the other side of the island, I don't know where that particular place uh, quest takes place, the first one. But once you get to Corthos Island proper, the first quest you run into is Hayton's Rest. So imagine Hayton's Rest, and it's a different quest because they've retooled it. Okay, and you go into the quest, the, say the gates are locked, there's Jacoby Drexelhand. And maybe there's a, a, another fellow somewhere over in the corner, just a little further away, some sneakier, dirtier looking guy. And there are three rats to your right as soon as you load into the quest. An alert pops up, like the alert from, say, I don't know, the rogue's disabled device ability, something like that. Like, not instead of traps, it alerts you that your wilderness score is detecting something. Your wilderness sense, you're getting some kind of sense that there's some kind of wilderness thing around. You got the three rats in the corner, bones, an empty crypt, some strange dude named Jacoby, and some dirty guy in the corner. There's, um, there's maybe there's a little, you look out of the corner of your eye and you look at the three rats again and they're just playing in this little, they look like the rats you would normally smashed to bits, but they're not undead, and we know in these particular quests, we deal with reanimated rats, and these are not reanimated, these are regular rats, but you notice the sort of, you know, intelligence in their eyes, and it's represented by maybe a glow that they have, or orbs, small orbs that are floating around their heads as they chirp and cheep at each other. So, being the in-touch druid that you are, ranger, you waltz over there and speak with the animals and they scurry off and unlock the gate well that's cool and maybe it unlocks it just a different you know maybe there's a different enemy maybe there's a named enemy in there now for you for for this particular quest line you talk to the rats and the rats say oh yeah there's this extra super smart zombie that they resurrected and he's like impervious to um you know, slash damage, and he only likes fire. You know, he only is weak to fire, or something, something like this, you know. That might be a little much for new players to, to take out a damage category, but he could be weak to bludgeoning or something, you know, and you give them the weapons in there, the good developers that you are, you give them the weapons. So you could make the purple damage happen on the on the mace. At any rate, it's, uh, it's it seems like pretty easy to add in, right? I mean, to me it does. I mean, I don't know... You know, obviously you'd want them to be a little bit more elaborate later in the game, but just something simple like this 
where, you know, you could talk to like if you had the investigation skill, maybe this guy in the corner is looking for his sister. You know, and maybe the Sahagwin took him, took her and you can't find him. And now that door that we all search on the left there that's got the trap with the automatic gate. And for you new players, you're not supposed to be listening to this part. That secret door, maybe that secret door could be turned into something a little bit more than what it is. We've been trying since the game came out to figure out a way to make that useful other than just detecting traps and doors, right? So I think that's something to consider, you know? And you could have a separate name popped up for that, you know? This this way it helps, especially some of those other loot loot things because people have problems with ransacking chests and all this stuff. So now when you have your generic loot that pops in any quest and in any encounter area, you can have a higher chance that they pop in this chest. And then some of the more more specific name loot you can really up the up the ante now because you've got you've got them locked behind these things now is some meta player out there going to min max that shit absolutely yep uh-huh and it's not going to help because they got tr you gave us tr and we're going to tr the crap out of our people out of our characters so that they can automatically do it even at a negative 12 search or whatever you know so that's that's not on us the TR process is there for a reason. The powers are there for a reason. So if you're a player and you're upset that it's too easy, then take a take a long walk off a short pier and come back when you've cooled off. Because the only reason why you TR is to get more powerful. And if the game becomes easier because you've become more powerful, it's not my fault. And I don't want the devs to work extra hard because you feel unchallenged. If you want to feel challenged, then start over on a different tune. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say to you. <laughs> um, I mean that in the nicest way, but I don't want them to... I don't want to have a, a Reaper sequel. So, there was... Every time I look at that system, I can't... It's crazy how I can't stop thinking about it, because it's so bad for the game. And it's so counterintuitive to how character progression works just in general ever since you know time began with uh, character progression and if you need a little synopsis you're supposed to be weak and it's supposed to be hard in the beginning and then it gets easier and then it gets more complex and then it gets easier and then then you start running into no-fail stuff and then that's usually when your dms start balancing for the party that they're that they're with but you're not supposed to be, you know. Anyways, I'm not going to talk about that. I didn't mean to get into that. I'm trying to talk about skills today. <laughs> I'm glad that was only a 30-second little rant. So I think, going back to the hate and dress scenario. So if you see what I'm saying with like the three rats and the little globy ball thing, that's kind of neat. And then like another NPC in there and he could have like his own little story. And you could connect these stories There'd be a lot of fun to come up with because you could connect them. You know, anybody can make the sauce. So it'd be very fun to, you know, when you plan out your little mini expansion, you can plan out which quests are going to have which things and then which NPCs and then how they're going to connect to the other. I mean, you guys are already doing that, I'm sure. But you could have it so it's a little bit more cohesive. You could start working in those factions, not just for completing the quest, but inside the quest so that you could understand what the cult of the dragon below is 
because you talked to someone that, you know, was affected directly by them. And now you're fighting this named Emerald Claw dude. It was kind of unfortunate because, you know, like the House P quest where they're doing the troll thing. I forget that quest. It's been many years since I read that quest line. But, you know, that kind of stuff for like the church, not the not the one where you get the silver bow, but the other one where like it's all the halflings. That's in House P too. I forget. Those are like actually pretty. Those are pretty good stories. Um, they're like small and stuff, but they're they're really packed with a ton of lore. And just when I saw, and I'm only going off what I saw with the uh, at the Pax East thing. So if you know, I could be way off base. If you guys are researching the lore or whatnot, I absolutely respect that. But I think the lore has got a you know you frame you frame the the whole expansion to the mini expansion on that one theme and then it's much easier to populate what's going to happen inside there i mean i think that's what you guys do i mean i think that's what happens i just know i I want to avoid um some of the cheap shots like the copru charisma damage thing nobody's talked about that yet right that's a new thing (laughs) Yeah, well, I just ran into it. I haven't been, uh, I don't usually play at Cap, but I've got that Acolyte, and I've been playing at Cap. I got hit by that in one of the quests there, the Temple, the Forgotten Temple quest, and I am like, so this is a good topic, so I start figuring out, reading everything in every Destiny tree. I read every ability almost, until I come upon the Fate Singer ability, which makes you immune to um, charisma damage. So I rerun the whole chain, and I got respect my guy. And um, it doesn't doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't doesn't the charisma damage thing that fate uh, not the fate arc the uh, fate singer makes you immune to charisma damage, but not that not that one. And that to me is um, that's a big fuck you to the player. And that that's a big fuck you. And that comes from the fate arc tree and your charisma based classes that just totally take advantage of that. And that's not fair. That's not fair gameplay. It was it's funny. Um, to me, because I'm so used to saltier fuck yous, but that one is, uh, that's kind of, that's going to turn this. So what's going to happen is you're going to get a new guy. I'm used to this, this kind of like cheese mechanics that, 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 that our DMs here at Sandy Stone Games sometimes do, um, you know, I'm used to that them screwing over the player like that but it's really you're going to get somebody that's going to invest money invest time and like me I I read through the abilities I'm used to being you know my own resource I love asking people and talking to people about it and about builds and gear and stuff but I'm I'm not knowledgeable enough to carry on a conversation with an end game player without just wasting their time or them just literally educating me and lecturing me the whole time of what what's working and what's not working because that is a lot of times what becomes meta at the end of the game is what is working as intended what's not and what's working really good and what isn't so i'm not gonna you know i might yeah i don't really talk on the forums about much i mean sometimes i guess i do but mainly just a chit chat on the forums but in, in game i'll once in a while i'll talk to somebody but it's 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 a waste of time for them to spend time talking to me i'm not gonna be able to help them. But I can tell you that if I were a new player and I was really heavily invested in my Acolyte, um, I first off, the issues I brought up in the Acolyte episode, I would not be able to identify, not right away. 
maybe not even for months. The fact that I'm playing it, I know it's a caster class, and we can say that, but I play it just it plays just like my sorcerer. It plays just like my bard, and I'm even I even switched one of the one of the epic destinies out for Fate Singer because. I wanted to try the co- the the damage thing, and it was it worked out pretty well. Actually, it's a fun tree to play, even with the um, with the warlock. So it worked out because it was fun. But you're going to have somebody that's going to invest time, money, and and doing things that are unpleasant. Sometimes reading through rules and rules is not always fun, developers. And you require your players to do that, and that's okay. Because sometimes it is fun. It is fun to create builds and use all that knowledge to your advantage. But it has to be true. So if something says it makes you immune to damage and it don't make you immune to the one attack you want it to make you immune to, I mean, what do you... That's going to piss a dude off, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's gonna, He's going to be like, you know what? I'm out. Thanks. You know, I don't have as many options in so-and-so game, but they don't lie to me. I know I'll, I know that's only got a 3% drop rate from that world boss, so I'll just keep... I could have grinded over there. I would have been so much closer to getting it. So, just it's just something to think about because you, you know, you're asking people to spend time and respect the rule system, and you give us the rules to read them, and then you, you they don't work as intended, and mainly it's to fuck the player. <laughs> you know? That's the thing. So if it's not working as intended, I'll tell you what. After I found that out, okay, so let me finish the story. After I found out that the Fate Singer thing didn't work, then I went to the forums. Then I went to the Google machine. And then I found out that this is a known thing, that this happens sometimes. Or that it doesn't work. It's everybody knows about it. I'm like the literally the last guy to, you know, like Scotty doesn't know. You know, so it's kind of like, I mean, yeah, it's you could, you might say it's my fault for not Googling it, but really, like I read it in the game. I, I found it in the game, I found the answer in the game, and the game lied to me. Why do I need to go to a separate source to find out what game rules are in play? And that's the thing that's going to bite people in the ass, and I get that there are bugs, and I'm not, not talking about that. I'm not talking about broken enhancements in the barbarian enhancement tree that don't work, Okay. I know sometimes shit breaks and you, you, for whatever reason you can't fix it or you don't know how or it's very, it's not, it's not a good you know, use of your time as a developer or whatever. I under, totally get that. Absolutely. Wonder, and I support that. I don't want you chasing good time after bad time. But maybe we could just refresh that whole barbarian enhancement tree then. You know, maybe it's time to introduce the Storm Lord Barbarian. You know, I'm waiting for the monk to get his archetype. And my vote is, my buddy was talking about this. I was talking to a friend of mine. He's not, um, he's more skilled than me, but I, I don't, he's very good, but I don't think he's an endgame player. But I was talking to him about it, and uh, he had a bunch of different ideas for the monk. I, my vote is for the chaos monk. The chaos monk is, um, he gives up the flurry of blows and stuff, but he uses, he's a, He's a chaos monk. He uses like the power of chaos. And uh, I imagine that being like the untyped damage that blight warriors get or whatever that like just basically every it affects everybody. And you can be you have to be any chaotic alignment. So you know what that means? Barbarian monks. Think about the razor claw you could make with that bad boy. Monk, monk AC, 
Monk feats and abilities, and Barbarian Crit. Competency by two. Plus your Primal. I'm just saying, Razor Claw for the win. Anyways, <laughs> Chaos Monk. Um, no, don't do Chaos Monk, and I never suggested that. I never, ever suggested that. I wanted something different. That's a disclaimer. Anyways, um, I once heard that the developers say something like that they can't accept ideas from the community because they would get sued. <laughs> Even though there's a forum, like, Threadmark suggestion idea, there's no way that they would get sued if they used a player's idea. There's just no... It would not be successful, that they couldn't crush them with their fucking wallet. There's no way. I mean, people rip songs scripts, movies, character ideas, novel, like books. There's just no way, man. No way. Pardon that's, uh, that's the real reason why I can never seem to get a podcast out. So, where was I? I was at Skills. When were we talking about Skills? So I think that would be fun. Four paths for skills. I think that would be really interesting. A really interesting concept. I think it'd be fun to have it go off in the middle of a quest. Oh, hey guys, I got something here. The think of the game's got a ton of replayability, but like you add a feature like that into all the new quests you're building out, right? And whatever quest you can get to in the past, right? You add a feature like that, and like that could create opportunities for people to re-experience the game in such a different way. You know, if you're playing. And eventually, yes, will the TR grinders and stuff figure it out and be real efficient at it? Absolutely. But just think of like, I mean, just a player like me, like I, I've TR'd a lot, but I still, when I'm, and I have TR'd, unfortunately, TRing has led me down this path where I am desensitized to some of the stuff that I, um, I put on my podcast, like, um, Paxel Tavozan or whatever that that Dragonborn character I made. And I just don't do that as much for myself because the way the game is programmed, because the way the TR system is, you just like have to suck it up. And like, if you don't like playing something, well, too bad. You don't like playing Cleric, Max Wiz, Max Con, get going. You got three lives. You know, it just sucks. That just sucks. Because <laughs> that's a... Dude, you're at, that's what I'm saying. You're asking a lot from players. You know, and I and I know some people say it's a lifetime thing, but it's uh, you know it's just a lot, man. You're asking for for people to stay because if if you're not asking people to do that, if if tring is not part of the plan, then someone's going to be done with this game in six months, tops. Tops, they'll be done in six months, tops. So tr is the plan. So I think you know the game is yes highly replayable, and if you can accentuate that some way and and add to character expression for the players. That's the key here. It's not always just about um, a, a gain in power per se. It's uh, it's about being able to express your character that way, and and and, you, and the and then the game rewarding that that expression by certain paths, by certain buffs, by certain debuffs. Because it could be just that simple, you know. And like uh, you know, in some of those. Uh, 
quests you encounter in the encounter areas of Salt Marsh, the one with the campfire. I'm thinking of that one, and then the one with the rope. You just go down. Like, did you? You just you complete them out there. You receive them in the in the encounter area, and you complete them in the encounter area. Those ones could just have buffs and debuffs. Maybe one might have a different path around, uh, like that jump. There's a jumpy part in the uh, Bullywogs quest there. I forget which what it called. It's the one uh, in the Salt Marsh. Which get the rope where you drop down. But like maybe you could, you know, could bypass that or something, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm just just literally just giving you an example of something. So you, I'm clear, more clear. So that's what kind of my rant on the skill system. That's the only thing I really had to talk about with the skill system. I've seen a lot on the forums, and I'm I'm happy to know that none of it is uh, <laughs> what I started the podcast about broadcasting those ideas or pushing those player ideas. There's been a lot less of those. There's been some frustrations with, uh, you know, the bank space thing is just a an absolute nightmare, and I don't know the fix for that. I hear the players with the lag on Orion. I don't know the fix for that, but I do know I love the game, and I don't want them to. You know, I want to make sure each team is working as hard as they can. <laughs> you know, I want you to, you know, I'm, hey, I'm paying you. Forget about it. I'm VIP and shit, and I got two accounts. <laughs> so, at least two accounts. I had three at one point. So, I'm paying you VIP money, man. I want some, help my brothers on Orion out, hook them up. Anyways. No, I don't mean. I, you know, I'm, I'm. I, I feel like I'm getting the value out of it. I know some people are bummed. I, I would be. I know there was a debacle with that. Like, if you threw like 150 more points per month into the, like the DDO, like your monthly point thing, I'd be like, oh sweet, what a bonus. <laughs> like, I wouldn't. I don't know if you need to revamp this whole technology and spend on like this new menu system and all this bullshit. I'm like, dude, the game's 17 years old. If this isn't a reward track for a campaign like Neverwinter Nights or Neverwinter has, then get the hell out of here with this VIP thing. Okay, forget about it. Don't be wasting developer time on, you know, you you know, the three or four hundred of us that always VIP. We're always going to be the VIPs. We just always are. It's the way it is. We want other people to, but... I think that's going to come with um, taking some hints. (laughs) You know, I mean, what I mean to say is doing what you have been doing and making sure that um, that there's a diverse range of character expression that we can do and and keep pumping out that great, great Dungeons and Dragons content that we love and we do love it. And I'm being a little snarky and I my tongue's been in my cheek an awful lot this episode. You'll have to forgive me. I'm punchy. That's what happens when I come back from a a crazy teleport spell experiment. That's that's all I'm gonna say. So I I was going to um, talk about. Uh, I'm almost done with my racial past lives, so I was gonna talk about. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a a build for. I've played druid before, and I have a, actually have a druid at cap. I. Actually, like playing that class. Fun fact about the Druid, it's the least played class in pen and paper. Dungeons and Dragons. Historically, it's the least played class. Um, not in DDO. DDO, it's, I think it's I think it's always been great in DDO. I'm trying to remember a time. I think the animal forms weren't always up to snuff. But then now you have this problem where the bear is just like super overpowered. Right? Now, 
Now what are you going to do? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't I want to give anybody ideas to nerf anything. God knows they get their finger hovering over that red little nerf button. It says no fun, no fun nerf bat. Boom. I'm just kidding. Um, so Druid is generally the biggest. But I've got some, I want to do some Druids. i got some shifter lives i got to do. So I think my buddy only has halfling or something. He has halfling lives. I not that I play with him that much, but so I was gonna do like a because I remembered I mentioned Taxel Tavozan like the Dragonborn don't really have a a purpose in the Eberron campaign setting. I mean it'd be very difficult I think to like just get them as a playable race if somebody wanted to play them as an exception. I think you could work them in, but um, if they were with the Druid. Like, cause it all depends on party composition when you're talking about tabletop stuff, you know, your session zero stuff. So, you know, you talk to everybody, maybe individually, and then together as a group, you talk about things. And then maybe afterwards, you do a little after action with each guy, each player, and you, you figure out where their head's at in a pen and paper game. So you could like, I was thinking like, I was struck by this idea that I've got to do shifter lives and I want to play the druid as a shifter. And I was thinking, geez, you know, what's interesting is Taxel Tavozan, the Dragonborn guy, would fit really well with a shifter. Mainly because um, of his of his he would be just as stoic as the Dragonborn. They both they're both self highly self sufficient. You know, that's you know well the Dragonborn are more perfectionist, but in that way they are still kind of you know, they are they they would value that that uh, that skill of being self sufficient, which is what a, a shifter is. He doesn't need anybody, right? So I was thinking, like, well, wouldn't that be neat to put a party together with with Taxel and whoever the shifter character is? Now I remember I did a shifter video where I made him a psychic warrior, but then I gave him a whole backstory and I gave him one thing I should have done was I wanted to do a build for his uh, his buddy there, Datari, the female um, Kalashtar, because that was kind of a cool idea. And I think she would just be like probably monk, cleric, and she would use the bow. That's that's how I, I think she would be. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, maybe ranger, cleric. I don't know. I didn't really think it out, but she'd be really cool to play. Um, but that party would work. Like if you had um, if you had a druid shifter and then that Kalashtar, like ranger... And then uh, Taxel as like the bard support because he would have, you know, the ability to summon, to bestow upon the party um, the affect of his of his ancestors or whatever big word I need to insert there that, you know, he could buff people with his songs. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to say in game speak. But I'm trying to flavor it in a different way so that. I don't think I wish they would have different buttons for that because I think he would really call on the you know well Valinar elves would really do that the Dragonborn wouldn't but he would call on his tradition and he would bolster people with you know the honor and tradition of his people so I don't know how that would sound that would probably sound like a terribly terribly scary screech coming from a big giant Dragonborn character as he opened his mouth and let loose with whatever emotions were battle emotions were inside so i think that'd be kind of cool and they would all benefit from that you know and they all have that uh that ancient quality to them the kalashtar 
the Shifter and the Dragonborn are all very old races on Eberron. And we know the origin of the Kalashtar, but not the Shifter. So it's a very interesting dynamic with those three particular, those races in particular. And I, I know, realize that we're going to have to pretend with like a human Kalashtar. With a human, probably. You could get away with an elf or a half-elf, I think. For Datari. So, that's what I was thinking. So, in my head, I was thinking, well, I should do like a druid build. And then I could just like do like a little mock story with some holes in it. And it would be kind of fun um, to, you know, to see uh, to see these guys go out, go out and, and conquer uh, Eberron together. I, you know, I like the Forgotten Realm stuff, and um, I'm not going to talk about another game <coughs> who's expanded their Forgotten Realm thing, but I heard the voiceover, and it's crappy, so no one cares. We have Will Wheaton. <laughs> we should get some of the, uh, what's some of the good, there's some good authors that do some really good narration, too. Not the, I love the guys we have now, actually. I, I, we could totally stick with them. Totally off topic. I, I mean, so I, I was thinking I got those three lives. I don't know when I'm going to get to them, but uh, I think I might do one more and just take a break because I've done like two or three lives like in the last month, I think. I did two or three lives the last couple of weeks, and I'm exhausted from running that TR train, bro. And I'm sure you older veteran players out there that have done the TR train, it's just, you know, it's a soul-sucking adventure. <laughs> If you're a new player, don't listen to me because you will be me soon and um, you will understand. But don't worry. We are, we the veteran players or, well, we the players here now are trying to promote change for you so you don't have to experience the game we did. So I'm glad you get your free quests and I hope you enjoy them. Listen to some of the past episodes that have character names in there and you'll see like... Uh, you know, I don't have a build thing. I don't do the build thing that the other guys do on the forums, which I should do, but I just, honestly, I downloaded it and I was working with it and I'm like, geez, this is such, it's such a long process that to do a build like that, like I total props to Strim and anybody else that I didn't say that uses that character builder and Matrim's character builder and then makes a video about it and post makes a post about it my hat is off to them guys that is a ton of work and yep you could you could if you were well you know i could just pick shit and put it in there but these guys if you look at their builds and like look at what they put in there it's really well thought out and i know some of them will even say that they made they played the build differently because they thought it was going to be a good idea and then they they update the build with hey these are the mistakes i made and this is this is what you should take for feats and skills. So that, some of those are really great. I just don't want to miss the story element and some of the backstory and the lore. I want you to be tied to the lore because that's what's going to, that's what's really going to keep you into the game is you become one of us. One, you know, you, you, your story is here with us in Ebron and I want you to, I want you to be here with us. We have access to the Forgotten Realms. We have some Greyhawk stuff. I like to think um, that Salt Marsh is somewhere in the Lazar principalities or somewhere in Corvair. I wish that we could, um, I wish that the developers could get permission to do something like that where they just, hey, we're going to, hey, we're just at the coast. By the way, we're just going to add this to our, our Eberron campaign setting. Yeah, I just think that would be, because we don't have a Lazar principalities thing. And that, you know, I mean, we, we don't really, we have the, the Pirate Cove there, Three Barrel Cove, but, 
that really doesn't seem like uh like uh, I mean I know they try to make it like uh, like a pirate's journey but I just feel like the end let me say something about that end fight holy crap that's one of the best most epic fights I don't know why people don't talk about that I've only done that quest once and I love it the issue is I've well, you know I know some of the three barrel quests from when they were not three barrel co- when they were not as updated as they are now and I'm just getting the hang of some of the other ones because of the TR train stuff but I, um, God, I, I, that's what I'm talking about. Like, there's some really just great, beautiful quests out there. It's locked behind all this other content, and it sucks. And I'm trying to figure out a way to make sure we can make each quest like a mini version of epicness that can be repeated and repeated. Because that quest where you fight on the airship, it gets kind of a little boring. With you know, there's a lot of spawns. I think there should be just the spawn should happen faster, right? And that should be over faster. It should they should try to attempt to overwhelm you? It doesn't work. The last bastion, and then final breath. But it, sometimes it, fe- it felt a little long. But it was a lot, a lot of fun. I loved that quest. That was they did a great job with that quest. Um. Can anybody think of anything else they want to talk about? Anybody in the class? Hands? Hands? Anyone? Help? <laughs> so I, I love uh, I love Dungeon Dragons online. My goal is just to push a little bit more D&D into, into the game. I think that's the developer's goal, too. I, I really see them really trying to do that. And um, I don't know how well it was done with the Storm Reaver... And giant hold and and all that. I as far as lore for the game, I think they did a great recovery with the you know you know the truthful one and all that. But I don't know how much they had. They just I think they had to make all that shit up. I, I think I you know <laughs> I'm not sure how much of that was like really. They had you know like you know sometimes they have lore for your table kind of stuff like that you can just take and run. I think that. Freaking! I think Standing Stone Games had to come up with Turbine had to come up with a lot of that stuff on their own, which is yeah, hats off to them. So I don't have any type of fun character talk. Um, I am thinking about the Shifter Druid. I I I wish. Um, I, I you know I I. I we could talk about alignment a little bit because alignment is something that's been on my mind too. Alignment sucks, right? That's what everybody tells you. Alignment is a great thing and it, and it can't go away. However, does it make sense to tie it to classes all the time? No. Does it make sense to tie it to some really powerful prestige class or maybe some epic destiny? Yes. I think it does. But does it make sense for classes in and of themselves? Not really. But what's the difference? Why does that matter? Alignment is everything. Because without alignment, you don't have conflict. And I mean the morality wheel that we use in Dungeons & Dragons. Without Without that morality wheel, you can't have conflict. So that, when people say that's dumb, it's not dumb. You don't want you want to be able to play a barbarian paladin. I get it. The and you can do that in fifth edition. They don't you know nothing's bound by 
uh, alignment anymore over there. So this is 3.5. Things are. Could your DM shift things? Sure. Will they? I, I don't know. I don't know how hard-coded that stuff is into the game. Is it time for them to consider it? Maybe consider steps? You know, people, you know, I mean, I think, I think realistically, um, that would be a great idea if they worked on that, but I would rather see them address the point. I, I want them to make uh, the Falconry and the Harper agent line. I want them to make them kind of like, I feel like you get a whole shit ton for like 10 or 11 points out of the Fade Arc Tree, and you got to go like 13 points. Or twelve points in the falconry, falconry, and I and I don't think you can get. That's not getting the two hit uh, wisdom to hit and damage. Thirteen points, and you can get the PRR, and I don't know some other stuff. My buddy was telling me something about it, but the. So he, I don't know what he said. I don't remember what he said, but I know he was talking about not getting the wisdom to hit and damage. So that would be another four points, which would be seventeen points into the tree, to get the two hit and damage. No, I wasn't listening when he talked about the Harper agent tree. But I think that the cost needs to be similar as far as getting your main stats hit and damage. E- even if you put that shit right in the beginning, like right, like for two points in tier one, you use your wisdom modifier, you use your charisma, you use your intelligence modifier to hit and damage. And then into tier three, you know, so they spend two points there, one point in three, they got to dump two more points somewhere else and then... Because the reality is, guys, that's not fun. It's not fun the way the trees are designed right now. That would be a great easy fix that everybody would love you for. It's just bumping those and the Harper and the that's and it would change the whole. Get people would be oh my god, all the builds I can make. Thank you. You know, I mean that's sometimes I don't understand because this feels like punishment. Like, oops, we came up with a fade arc tree. Oops, it's too overpowered. Oops, here comes this attack you can never block, even though we say you can block it. You know, I don't know. I mean, at least push it, put a potion vendor outside the quest and say, warning, you know, you better buy one of these or else. So alignment, yeah, I'm, I'm all for removing the alignment alignment restriction to some degree. I'm not. It's difficult for me because I actually have some real world experience with with conflict. So it's hard for me knowing what I know about life in the world to get behind a role playing an evil character. And I don't mean, you know. Because I think sometimes people see characters in movies and they want to be that type of villain, right? But I, when I think of, maybe it's because I'm so old school, when I think of Dungeons and Dragons, I always kind of relate it to real world history and stuff that I grew up with. And then it's fantasized so that um, there's a little bit of abstractness. So there's a... I'm not dealing with the responsibility of some of the violence and some of the actions that your characters are taking. It's like not so grounded in the world, real world. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, <laughs> real world violence, the type of trauma, that way that shakes your brain and messes with your brain, it really destabilizes you. For, you know, depending on, how, you know, the person, weeks or months. 
some sometimes just a few hours. So, so I don't know. So I said, so I think the to me like the violence we perpetrate is is abstract enough, and it's for a good cause, and that's really what I'm getting at, right? Like you you're we're trying to do the right thing, right? Or you're playing a character that's conflicted about doing the right thing, but maybe he's on this path to do the right thing. But I never, I always, I this is a personal opinion of mine. It's I'm always you can't really role play an evil character. You can pretend to be a villain that you saw in a movie, but I've met evil people and you don't want to pretend to be them. <laughs> Not even for a second. You don't actually want to be a real evil person. Um, and if you do, you should seek help. <laughs> Because they'll never erase it, but there might be medication that'll dull that itch. <laughs> Anyways, I think you know what I'm. Ge- I think I, you know what I'm getting at here. I'm not trying to steal anybody's fun. Like you can't play the Joker. I get it, but I think it's it's dangerous. It's a dangerous um, process to condone or to purport or to um, want people to experience because. Um, it just entertains some dangerous, dangerous thoughts that you don't want to be normalized. Is violence okay? No. But if somebody was going to hurt some villager, if a dragon was going to eat some village, and you were, would you save them? Yes. Right? You know, some people would say, in character, you might say, well, you know, well, what's in it for me? Or... You know, I have to. You know, my the silver flame sent me here. I have no choice but to face the dragon. I don't want to. I'm afraid. So you have all kinds of different character expressions to that, which we can explore and have fun with, right? Fantasize about. But I'm not sure you'd want to fantasize about violence for violence' sake and for the sake of, of evil, that concept of evil. I'm not sure I would be, like, cool with, like, yeah... Yeah, just because I kicked her in the teeth. She was hungry and asked me for some food, but I just kicked her in the teeth and threw her in the closet. She could fucking die in there. You know, because some of that shit happens in real life, man. And it is not something we should emulate or or want to our kids to play a game around, centered around anything like that. Now, that's different than the DM or even a player um, you know, pre- pretending to be, you know, someone like the Joker who's you're because you're not exposed to or maybe just not uh, exposed to some of the real evils out there. You, know, you play this character this way. But that's not I mean, you should consider actions that people take. And even though it's a fantasy game, I, I've always believed that, you know, that um you should just be really careful what you put in your head and that you make normal. And that, because when, even for us, you know, you think you're being an edgelord, right? Like, and I'm not saying you in very general terms. You think you're being a Mr. Edgelord because I want to play an evil guy. But what you don't understand is the next generation of kids now have no, it's less clear what is good and what is evil for them, you know? And that's the danger to me is that slippery slope. You start sliding down that slope and then now you're fostering people's mental illnesses now and you're creating more problems than you're really helping to solve, which I think Dungeons and Dragons 
helps solve some kids' problems. I know it helped me when I was a kid, and definitely my friends. I was a lot more socialized than some of my friends, but I had some, my friends that got me into D&D were not well-socialized people. They were not. I'm like a, I love to, I love to draw. I suck at it, but I love to draw. I love to write and have my own thoughts and make my own, you know, when I was a kid, I used to make my own books constantly and write my own little novels. So I love the, the creation part of that. And, and that really bonded me with these people, but they weren't well-socialized individuals. And that brought us together. I was a well-socialized individual and now I'm socializing with them at their level and they're not afraid to open up and be vulnerable in this environment. And it's good for all of us because these guys were like good at math and new shit. I didn't know that kind of stuff. You know, they tell me about the D100 dying percents. I didn't know. I didn't know how to do that. They taught me how to play Dungeons and Dragons, for God's sakes. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> so, you know, much respect to them. And they all, they both, both the friends I've played with have gone on to do great things in life, much better than me. Um, so, but I think developmentally for kids... I think that's such a great thing, and I would hate to um, to take that 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 from them. You know, we know that there are bad people out there, and we don't always get the chance to take down the bad guy. But Dungeons and Dragons gives us the ability to at least pretend we do. So that's my that's my rant on alignment. I think it's a good thing. Um, I don't think they should necessarily be attached to classes, but I think if you wanted to overpower like an epic, like just for instance in DDO, if you wanted to overpower an epic destiny for a paladin or for uh, you know a chaotic cloud, just a chaotic, because you can make it you know have stuff for different elements of different classes. I'm thinking uh, Acolyte of the Skin is one of those chaotic non. Not good one. So you can have like a barbarian type that's just good for both those classes, you know. Um, you know, it adds fire imbue that comes off your spell power, right? Something like that. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. Whew, that alignment talk was just too heavy. Talk. That's why my teleport spells fail. You see why? Take it too seriously. It's just something to consider from a guy who's, and I know I'm not the only one, okay? <laughs> but I've been in a couple of situations, one or two, and it's, uh, you know, the difference between what we're pretending to do, which is to help people in violent situations, save them, and you really do that. It's, um, it, that's, it's very traumatic. And, I, and I, I'm okay with, with, with people psyching themselves up to do that kind of work in society and to do that kind of good work in life and to have something to fall back on even though I'll be honest with you it feels like stolen joy or sometimes when you're in a, a a conflict like that an experience like that will steal the fun from life from you for a while uh, sometimes for a long time for some people but just to know that um, the what the purpose of it is you know that it stands for something good can be heartwarming and can help you, you know, through a dark time. Certainly help me through a dark time. Um,
I'm thinking that's that's what you smell or that's the what you're hearing. <laughs> I apologize for the infrequency. That teleport spell threw me for a loop. I don't know when I'll get back this week. I hope to get another one out before the weekend. So that's what I'm shooting for. I don't have any ideas, though. You know, I want to do... I really like telling the stories of the dudes, like making the dudes and telling the stories. I love doing that. I thought about coming up with um, like a little room scenario or like a little mini scenario of how uh, you could not... See, this is the thing about like with Reaper mode and shit, like how you can make combat more enjoyable. But like, you know, it's got to be... You know, that's the issue. You know, part of it is that it's so, it's like you've got like two or three seconds to kill all these mobs in one go. And then, or, or, or if they close and melee you, you're all going to get one-shotted, you know? So it's like, you know, there's no chance to set up any kind of anything. There's no team, anything. It's just throw all your damage spells. So I, I was thinking of maybe a way to approach combat differently, you know, while use, while keeping those skills in mind, those skills we talked about earlier, I was thinking oh, I should come up with a room where, you know, because what I imagine is each, each, like, expansion, like Salt Marsh, you could have, like, um, you know, specialty mobs that you're, that are either... Well, like I did with the arch villain mode, where you, you know you're fighting rivals and stuff, where they they matter a little bit more because they're you know they're a lot harder to take down. But it, and you might have to fight them for like a couple minutes. You know, it might be like a two or three minute fight with a bunch of their minions too, and their minions might be a little tougher to take down. They might just have a lot more hit points than normal. You know, they just might. <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to stand there and whack them for twenty minutes. It's not a raid, but they might take you know more than just one or two hits. They might. And they might be easy to kill, but but there might be a lot of them, and it might tie up, you know, your melees doing this or somebody doing that, and it could spread the power, diffuse the power among the combat for a little while. You know, make you make us work. Anyways, I I thought about making a scenario like that, where and explaining it in a way that you could see the teamwork in in a combat system that's a little bit more like that than how it is currently, which is you know you one shot me, I one shot you. And it's all predicated on my time with the Acolyte. The time, my time with the Acolyte was, was a wonderful, it's a wonderful idea. I realized after making my Acolyte review that the, one of the suggestions I threw out there was essentially to have a Hexblade Warlock with the Pact, the Pact of the Blade, where the, where the Eldritch Blast becomes a melee weapon, is actually called the Hexblade uh, Warlock. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, in 5th edition. I'm only familiar with 3.5. So, that's not... I'm not solely... I, I know a little bit about 5th edition, but not very much. So, yeah. I didn't realize that the Hexblade... It was a thing, so... But... I do have more to talk about, I guess, if you guys are interested. I always appreciate you listening and... It's uh, good to know you're out there, you know, because I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm surprised at how many people listen. So I appreciate it a lot, um, a lot, a lot. 
I just don't want to. Today was a little off the cuff. I mean, some of the stuff I said, and then I got a little personal there, and then we talked about alignments just because I want you to know where I come from. It's not like my, it's an experiential thing about life that I've run into, and I'm not like just, ah, well, because I want to crush your fun. No, it's because I've really experienced some of this stuff, and I think that it's important because not everybody should have to experience it. But, you know, trust me, (laughs) you don't want people uh, normalizing really evil behavior. And I'm not sure if they're going to be... I can't handle all your what-if questions because I can't hear them. I'm always willing to talk about it if you uh I guess you could hit me up on the on the on the Facebook or if you wanted to talk about it on the forums I'd be willing to. It's uh it's a much different uh, concept when you talk about helping an old lady across the road or or finding someone's lost puppy at a festival because you know the fireworks scared the you know the unicorn away and now you got to go find him in the fey woods you got to go find the unicorn and bring him back to his owner those are similar concepts helping someone it's a good concept to teach someone it's a good concept to teach someone that your time is valuable and you should be bartered with it's also fun So yeah, so some of this wasn't really planned, as you can probably see. Some of it was. I definitely wanted to talk about the skill thing. I thought it was going to be more fun and better. I think it's a good idea. I just didn't... I do... It seems... It didn't seem like a lot of work when I first had the idea, but then as I started talking around, I'm like, Jesus, maybe this is way too much work. But I, I do think having that, like that, when I think about it, like I'm playing a druid character... And maybe you're not crazy about it, but you get into it, and then like boom, this lore thing comes off, and you're like, oh wow, I can fucking talk to animals in this quest. Sweet, they're gonna help us, and they're gonna open this thing up. And hey, look, there's a free shrine here, and there's a chest, and then oh, this back passage leads right over here. And what the hell is that thing? Kill it! It's a some kind of blight monster. You know, it's a Dalkir. It's opened a portal from Zoriat. Kill it! You know, that's cool. You know, I mean, that's cool. That's what the gatekeepers do. They fight the plane of Zoriat, right? That's kind of. That's kind of why they were given their magic. So that that kind of stuff is really cool to me. And I think when I think about it like that, like, oh, well, now I want to be a gatekeeper druid. That's badass. But, you know, I don't know. I just, But that's not up to me. I don't get to say what, what happens. So if they're going to make this whole new reward system for VIP, I'm a VIP. I have two accounts. I don't give a shit about you making some pretty fucking VIP thing and me collecting the thing. The VIP is not about that. Um, Just give me good quest content. You know, people want, people always want a free lunch. You know, and I think you make most of the content free for 15 bucks. I know I was bummed I had to buy Ravenloft, but if you could maybe include some of the, just the older content at either a severe discount or just free to them now, you know, maybe up to, you know, Salt Marsh or whatever, whatever it is, or or just 
you know, make the big expansions free for the VIPs and the mini expansions everybody pays for. Come up with some kind of fucking model that makes sense and we'll buy it. It's where all all this shit is, is pretend. We're all buying make pretend time. So just come up with something that we can understand and get behind. Hey, uh, the mini expansions you got to pay for because we got to keep the lights on. Okay. Thumbs up. Great. You know I mean, to me, it's just that simple because I just think these people whining about are just whining to whine because um, if you like something, you don't mind spending money on it. Like my wife, I, I hate, I mean, my kids, um, but you know, if you love something, you don't mind spending heat. I love heat. Don't, well, my motorcycle. I love my motorcycle, right? I don't mind spending money on my motorcycle. So you get what I'm saying, right? I mean, I'm being kind of real with you, <laughs> but you know, that's if you love something, you you know you don't mind paying for it. And I think with this particular game, if you nudge, you know, I'm trying to nudge you in the right direction. I don't know anything about video games, so I could be completely wrong, and I'm willing to accept that. But the some of these ideas that I read about and I see, I think are good, and um, and will help people love the game because if they love their characters, they will love your game. It's in you can't it's like you can't lose with that. And I really I geez, I was gonna hang it up here, but I was thinking about the bard that's in that other game and the bard that we have and how Swashbuckler was so cool when it came out and then somehow it like it's lost its way because of the PRR and then you know you guys just do all this shit and you don't think about the consequences. And it was such a... The swashbuckler, when that came out, I was playing the game, and a bunch of my friends came back, and it was so much fun. And uh, not saying that the Stormsinger isn't fun, but it's like, you know, how do you keep this stuff relevant without making it only for the more elite players? You know? You know, because, you know, you get a guy... You might carry one guy through a raid that's got no shield, and he's a 20-fucking bard and one-handed rapier. You might carry him through the raid a little bit, but, you know, if he's a new player, he's probably, you know, he's deceived himself that he's going to be effective in a raid environment. And that's just, that's what I'm talking about, that kind of crap. You know, well, if he was a Storm 20 Storm Singer, he'd be fine. But you chose 20 Swashbuckler, so you're not fine. And that's, that's what I mean. I'm trying to fix that. That's what I'm trying to fix. And some of the other ideas I have that are tertiary or that float around that idea of character creation all just floats around the player loving the character they have and and really being able to buy into the fantasy just that much more. And this system, DDO's game system, is perfect for it. And it's you guys are doing it already. I'm just trying to maybe vocalize some hints and tips that the players um, I've heard through conversation. Because all the some of the ideas I'm throwing out here today, they're not mine. Just I don't know whose they are, but I've, I've definitely, and I'm sure uh, probably a couple of people are listening. They're like, "Hey, that's my idea," and it, you're right, it is. <laughs> you you probably played with me, and I I ripped it from you because I want to make sure it's if it's a good idea. I want people to hear it, other people to hear it. I I, I want the game to be uh, be as fun as it can be. So I'm off to my shifter lives probably this weekend. I'll do one, and I'll, I'll probably... I don't know if I'm going to do another one. And then I've, I've done uh, a couple of the Iconics, but I haven't... I don't... Uh, 
I wish you could do the Iconics from level one, you know, because I don't like the whole 15 to 32. It's just, I mean, it's fine. You get all your gear at 15, and then you get the extra set, that 16 or whatever, the you know, the one with the better gear slots. So it's fine, but at the same time, it's like, ugh. Those, those lower levels can be a lot of fun. That's where you meet all the new people, you know, so... It's fun to play with all the new people. And I'm new. I just, you know, I've played Gwilin's 100,000 times. So, All right. I guess I'll hang it up for the, for today. I, I feel bad that I haven't uh, been as consistent as I could be. But you know how teleport spells are. We don't need to go over that. <laughs> no past and future friends. I used to know why. I used to watch um, Rurouni Kenshin and the Amakage no Hiro Meki. You know the, his his attack there, the Amakage. You no, know, I used to know the whole that secret attack he did. You know, he learned it from his uh, his sensei there. Amakage no Hiro Meki, something like that. I forget it. All right. I will uh I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Thanks for showing up. I hope uh I hope it was uh informative, fun and passed the time for you if that's what it needed to do. And uh thank you again. Thank you so much. Bye guys. See you in game. <laughs>